if you want to be really future ready, start buddying up to your local university, your uh, sort of ecological experts in your area, get them to start telling you, telling you the bad yeah. news now so that you can start thinking about it. Hey Ellie, have you read any good books lately? Yeah, actually, I recently read a book about Mount Everest. It's quite the cliffhanger, really. Oh, sounds great. Any other recommendations? Actually, yeah, there was this one there was this one novel about mazes. I just got totally lost in it. Right. Well, Ellie, I know you're pretty keen on the sheep and wool industry, so can I make another recommendation for you? Yeah. The Shepherd's Life by James Rebanks. It's an international bestseller and published in 18 languages. And essentially, it's a tale of how James and his family have farmed sheep around the Lake District in northwest England for hundreds of years and through many generations. You know, Ella, it's funny you say that because it's on my list of must-reads, but I've actually already jumped the gun and I spoke directly with the author himself. I had the pleasure of meeting James at the Lamex conference in Perth the other day, so I'm going to take your recommendation on board and give the shepherd's life a whirl, I think. I'm Ella. And I'm Ellie. And you're listening to The Yarn, a podcast for the Australian wool industry. So James Rebanks, Ellie, what an absolute treat. I understand he was the keynote speaker at Lamex. How was his presentation? Yeah, he was fantastic, Ella. There was nearly 900 people in the room or something like that. And they were all so engaged simply because he communicates so well with his audience. And whether that be in this case the Lamex audience or even his impressive Twitter following over 100,000 people, he's always just so honest and says things how they are. And on top of that, he's just a really down-to-earth, humble shepherd with a huge passion for writing. I'm just, I'm a big fan. Yeah, I can definitely see that, Ellie. (laughs) I heard his enthusiasm was quite infectious and clearly you've been affected. For sure. No, definitely. And anyway, we caught up for a yarn after his Lamex presentation. And to be honest, Ella, I guess anyone with that much passion for what they do, it's just so refreshing and, yeah, like you said, definitely contagious. James, firstly, what a fantastic presentation today. Um, Thanks for coming all the way out to Australia for it. It's your, your fourth time here. How, how have you found the experience? How did you find the audience today? And can you tell us a little bit about your presentation? Okay, so um, the first thing to say is thank you very much for having me. It's been amazing. It's been um, a pleasure. I can't remember the last time I learned so much in two days about what I do, which is farm sheep. So it's uh, just been absolutely amazing to listen to some of those people who've made it their life's work to study how sheep eat and how they move. And yeah. It just blown my mind a little bit. There's so much to think about when I get home, particularly how sheep are eating the vegetation that we have and whether we can do that better. So I, I, as a farmer, I'm just feeling really challenged in a good way to go and think about things better. So you compare, so it's a lot different back home. Like what are the similarities so, and differences? You so, so the thing I've got from the last couple of days is at times I've felt like I'm, I'm one of you guys. I, I do what you do. I work dogs, I work sheep, yep. trying to make a living from that, from a piece of land. At other times, I feel like we're from other universes to each other. <laughs> so I'm, I'm in a really uh, old-fashioned uh, historic landscape that everybody in Britain loves that they don't want it to change which puts enormous amount of restrictions on what we can do we we can't change the size of fields uh, we can't even change what's happening in the fields in terms of the biodiversity and things like that so we're very stuck in a in a system full of restrictions and, and, and in that sense I feel very different to some of you not that you, not that you're not doing things responsibly but yeah. there's more freedom here to farm commercially and, and, and at scale so I'm not sure whether to be jealous of you or to, or to go back to what we are and, and just love it for what it is, but it's been a fascinating, fascinating to talk to so many of you. I think deep down we're all, we're all the same, aren't we? We're, oh, we definitely We get are. up in the morning, we work out. You do hard. what you love and That's you right. just, 
yeah, do it whether it's tough, whether yeah. it's easy. It's just uh, and the values yeah. are the same. So I feel like I've it's been around. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the values of farming people I find are sim- very similar all around the world. Yeah, they, they value hard work and integrity and honesty, and, and hopefully I'm about that where I live, and all of oh, you, are, all, all of you yeah. are about that here. So, yeah, there's differences, and sometimes we're competitors, aren't we? But uh, some, sometimes well, we're just trying yeah. to work the same things we're out. Trying to make a living, <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I'm just curious, what's the breed of sheep you've got back home? So we actually have two breeds on the farm, but um, and they're the only breeds we can keep on our land. Otherwise, the winter kills them, basically. So mm. we have Herdwick sheep, which are the sheep made famous by Beatrix Potter. They're the sheep of the English Lake District. And what's their job? Their job is to survive six to eight months of really crappy, wet, cold weather. Maybe like, like this spring, we had three three months of basically blizzards at the end of that, which yeah, so which pushes more sheep past the point of no return. It would kill more sheep in the world. Yeah. But they outwinter all the time. They lamb outside. So this is tough. That sheep that basically the Vikings and the people before the Vikings developed in that part of the world to go to that mountain when the grass grows in spring and April, stay up there till October, drop a lamb on the ground. Usually one because one works. Uh, fetch that lamb off in the spring um, so the, the constraints on our productivity are absolutely <laughs> massive yeah. just the landscape size the, the the geography the weather so so yeah I'm listening to some of your farmers that aren't trapped in that and you think wow that's a different game altogether I'm, ne- I'm never going to be able to produce um, uh, at scale and with with the efficiency that you can do so I have to work out another way to stay on my land yeah and a very different um, landscapes different mm-hmm businesses for sure and different public i think that's the other yeah. thing that really jumps out of this so you have two big issues that seem to hang over this conference that people are worried about with the public one is one is the live export thing mm-hmm. uh, which i didn't know much about when i got here yeah, and i'm still yeah. learning about the other one is your mulesing again it's not something we do i'm not really yeah. used to it so i'm learning about that uh we have a different you know our our, our hot topics that upset people are different mm. so ours is all, at the moment is all about flooding and it's all about the loss of wildlife and birds and yeah. insects on farmland so yeah, like a really, eco yeah sort of sort of, sort of yeah. eco stuff is massive in the yeah. uk at the moment the whole farming conversation is about that and and i can whinge and whine about it but there's reasons that that's happening the science that mm. tells us that a lot of that stuff's disappeared and farming is probably doing it yeah. so so the, the the your focus and the things you're worrying about the things you're fighting and the things you're trying to communicate about are different to ours yeah. uh, the public's different i think it's very interesting comparing though between um systems for sure and yeah. i think a lot of people especially the farmers that were listening here today were very much interested in your system and your operation and how it um how it compares similarities and differences to yeah. theirs basically but you're not just a farmer you also classify yourself as a shepherd and you've written a fantastic novel, a bestseller that has a lot of popularity in Australia and I think it's in 18 different languages or yeah, something, is that so, right? Something like yeah. that, I've lost count which is a good side, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yeah, so it's basically a memoir about growing up on this farm in the 1970s and 80s, well, mostly 80s and 90s because I was born in the 1970s. Yeah, and I just, I just told the story of my family, sort of warts and all, I told you about the good and the bad and, and what we were and where, where I came from and I just tried to do that honestly, so, but but with a, with a good deal of love and respect in there for my father. My father was dying at the time I wrote the book, and I wanted to... Did you hear that? I just said book. That's what we call it, where I come from. I said, said a book. It's book. You wrote a book, yes. <laughs> I wrote a book. <laughs> um, I can write a book, a book, but I can't speak properly. Uh, so, I've, yeah, it's my northern accent coming out. So, yeah, I, I just wanted to... Because I love writing, and I love... Uh, you know, it's, I think we live in an age... When I, when I was a kid, you felt a bit embarrassed to be another thing, didn't you? You didn't want to be... 
<laughs> you didn't yeah. want to be a ballet dancer or whatever else. I think that world's gone and you can be whatever you are now. And, and my my other thing that I was once embarrassed about that I'm not embarrassed about anymore is... You shouldn't be. Yeah. yeah, why should I be embarrassed about it? I want to be a writer, that's cool. So now I, I juggle two things, which not many other people have ever no, managed to do. Which is, uh, but I, it, But it just fits with my beliefs, which is if we're going to carry on doing the things we do, we're going to have the trust of the public, we're going to get them to buy the things we want. How's that going to happen? Well, we're going to have to get, they're going to have to trust us. Mm. Gonna, we're going to have to work out how to talk to them. And I, I'm not a genius at all of that, but I can, I can write. I can write, And yeah. I can tell stories, and uh, particularly about my family and what we do. So that's my way. That's my way of reaching out to that public and saying, I think what we do matters. I think what, yeah. we, what we do creates this beautiful landscape that people around the, the world love. And I need you to see it. And mm. I need you to care about it. And I need you to think a little bit about people like me. Yeah. Uh, when you go shopping or when you vote or whatever else it would be. So, yeah. Now, there's been a real theme at Lamex about gaining trust with our consumers. Right. And, you know, a statistic from the US, 60 65% off, something like that, people want to know about farmers and they want to hear about That's farming right. stories and stuff. And what you're doing is just exhibit A of that. You're showcasing what you do, yeah. really passionate about farming and you're giving such a good story to everyone. Yeah. And so you also got a really big Twitter account and yeah. you're you're continually advocating for farming and what you're passionate about. Yep. Like that's, that's just a huge platform. How do you communicate to your audience yeah. and stuff? I've sort of slowly, slowly learned it. So the truth is I was just a farmer. I didn't know how to do all of this stuff. I'd, I had a, I had some experience of talking to the public in other work off the farm before I came back to the farm. But um, I, I keep it very simple, really. Mm-hmm. I keep it about the farm and the dogs and the sheep and the <laughs> landscape. It's, mm. it's kind of never about me. I, yep. I, you'll never see a picture of me on there or anything like that. Dog photos. Yeah, it's, do, it's, it's dog <laughs> photos, popular. it's sheep yeah. photos, it's landscape. Yeah. Uh, and trying to explain the little things. So, and... Uh, and it would have blown my mind when I was 20 years old, but mm. it's actually the day-to-day normal stuff that we do on farms, you do and I do, that is really fascinating to the public. Yeah. And, and you have to retrain yourself to, think, to see it through their eyes. Like, can I explain how we're shedding sheep through a sorting gate? Mm. Uh, what, how does the sheep marking work? Mm. Why are you breeding them with that kind of wool on and not that kind of wool? What, what is wool crimping? You know, all these yeah, yeah, yeah. things you all, you all grew up knowing about, I know a little bit about. That stuff, if you do it with enough enthusiasm and passion and you keep it simple enough, mm. people love that. People, oh, definitely. People, uh, enthusiasm is infectious, isn't it? It doesn't matter. <laughs> and somebody loving the thing that they do and being really good at it is infectious as well. So it sort of doesn't matter what the thing is. You could be like a potter, you could be I a painter. Really smile. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or you could be a farmer. It sort of doesn't matter what the thing is. If there's enough passion and there's an ability to tell stories about it or to share it, you just sweep people mm-hmm. along with you. And I think that's, that's what, what happened with me, whether I knew what I was doing or not. It's another story. Maybe it just happened yeah. by accident. But yeah, and you find at the end of that journey, you're like, wow, there's a lot, there's a lot of people following this. And, <laughs> and they've sort of got my back. They're like, I earned, somewhere along the way, you've earned the trust of those people. They... They've decided you're a nice bloke and you're trying your best. And okay, maybe I'm sometimes wrong and sometimes I don't know everything. Uh, but you've got the right intentions. Yeah, I've got the right intentions. And they can yeah. say I'm a bit like them. I'm just trying to work it all out on our mm. piece of land. Yeah, I, I think we, we sometimes strive to be too slick, too perfect, too polished. Mm. I'm, I'm done with all that. I just, I just Let's keep it real. Like mm. Some of us are just farmers and let's just be what we are, but just try and find a better way to put it across. Yeah, I think, like, good point there for sure. And as well as that, there's... Topical issues in the industry, obviously, like musing, live export and stuff like that. And farmers, you talked about passion and we're all extremely passionate about our industries, animal welfare. And it's very hard, I guess, when you get approached by the public on topics like that, particularly in Australia, because that's yeah. where those, um, those problems arise. Um, but farmers, because we're so enthusiastic and stuff, we naturally get really defensive that's and right. sort of start trying to yeah. lecture and yeah. throw facts at that when... 
he spoke today, we, we need to be doing it a better way and we need yep. to be getting our point across better because we do share values with yep. people. At the end of the day, all we want is the best for our animals. Yep. Um, we all care that they're getting... That's right. I, I, th- I think yeah. one of them... There were a hell of a lot of interesting speakers of the last two days, but uh, Charlie Arnott from America was fascinating. It, yeah. It's it's not about educating people; it's about persuading them to be your friend, so they'll give yeah. you sufficient time trust, to, yeah. to, to trust you to tell them what you think yeah. this is. And that doesn't mean they're always going to agree with you. Yeah. I, I don't know really whether they'll ever agree, the, the great Australian public will ever agree with you about milsing or live export. It may be an irreconcilable clash of values mm. between two different communities. Um, I don't know. I'm not the expert on that, but it's at least if you're talking. There's a, there's a degree of mutual respect and people will listen to facts. But they've got to like you and trust you and sort of think you're your friend first. And actually, it sounds cynical as if it's not really true that they're your friend. I've made like, gazillions of friends through, through Twitter, learnt loads from those people. Uh, like on our farm, when I'm trying to learn about the ecology of it so I can speak intelligently about that, I put pictures of our meadows on and like, my followers are telling me what all the flowers are. Like, this is what this flower is. I didn't know I had that. Yeah, you're like, wow, I didn't, know I, had a, I didn't know I had a rare flower in my paddock. And suddenly <laughs> you look at your own paddock a little bit differently. So this isn't all one-sided. Mm. This isn't... Um, Learn from each other. That's right. It's yeah. not they're, they're stupid and I'm clever and I'm going to mm. tell them a lot of stuff. It's actually more of a conversation. Oh, definitely. I think it's really important that we yeah. all do keep open-minded yeah. and like, respect each other's opinions. I just And, and sorry, the other yeah. thing I, I love doing, one of the most, some of the most fun I've had on Twitter, is to present the problem. So the problem might be live export, and it might be that you have a lot of weathers and you might, might have a lot of old ewes that need a market. Mm. And your perspective, I, I don't know what to think about all this, but your perspective might be that that's better than the alternative, which might be shooting them a paddock or something. Yeah. I like to present the whole thing as objectively and as balanced as I can and mm. say, what do you want us to do? What would your solution yeah. be? I, I, I quite like that. Put the ball back to the other side and... They might still not agree with you at the end of it. Or they might say, oh, actually, I get where you're coming from. There isn't a perfect solution. Mm. Or I need to pay more for something in a shop. Couldn't or I, agree uh, more yeah. with your advice. We, yeah. we need to put that back in their court and say, actually, it's not just my problem. It's our problem. Because mm. this is what I have to do to produce your wool. This is what I have to do to pay my taxes. This is what I have to do to keep my community going. Mm. Um, talk to me about what you want. So, um, yeah, any other advice just on communicating to farmers to, say, someone who's less informed? spoke earlier just about a lot of people don't know about. I think the the classic pitfall, and again Charlie Arnott from America was talking about this, is if you go into the pub or you go you're talking over the fence to somebody and that person accuses you of being a murderer or something that's that's quite a provocation (laughs) Uh, and everything in your DNA tells you to respond to that and defend yourself (laughs) Uh, that's real life face to face, that's real humans on the internet it isn't like that there's 2% 2% of the population may be crazy, but 2% of the population may be on Twitter and they may be complete nutcases mm. and you can spend your whole life arguing with them and what do you do? You don't convince them those 2% of people not to be nutters. You just alienate everybody else who sees you arguing with a nutter. The keyboard uh, warriors. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think it isn't about those people. Charlie's absolutely right. It's about... You, you need to develop a sort of thick skin that none of us really have, but you mm. need to pretend you have it. Um, <laughs> and then you, you need to have the conversation in the middle and that's yeah. a much more reasonable conversation. That's, this is what I'm doing... I'm a little bit worried you're not going to like this thing, but I'm going to tell you about it anyway. And here's what I think my options are. And this is why I can't do the thing you really want. Or, or if you want me to stop that practice you don't like, you have to buy something else in the shop. Yeah. So you have to help me to do the world a different way. So have you had a lot of experience like speaking to people in this way in the past? Like trying to hear what they have to say, yeah. but then also deliver your side of the story and I just think, sort of come to a bit of a... I, th- I, think, I, think, I think probably I'm just that kind of person. I'm not... 
I'm not a person who thinks I'm who's really confident that I'm right. You don't strike me as aggressive or, <laughs> no, I'm not. or anything. I, I, I'm, I'm not. If you told me I'd done something wrong in my speech, I'd be wondering. I'd be like, Jesus, what, what did I, How can I make this? I, I, I am a kind of person that worries whether I'm right or wrong, and I, and I and I think that the fact that I've kept that might be a strength. Yeah, mm. that when you're talking to other people, I think it may be a good idea to think, oh, what, what happens if they are right? Yeah. What happens if we are wrong? I, I, I'm that kind of person. I think like that. Um, so I, I might not be the most gung-ho spokesperson to go out and win a particular argument by beating people over the head, <laughs> but to have more of a dialogue with the general public, I maybe have the right kind of personality for that. Not, yeah, not all farmers do. Um, yeah, no, for sure. So you've written your book, still, still on the farm. Are you? Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't have any staff on the farm. It's just a small farm. So, oh, yeah. So my norm, my normal is, is getting up in the morning and being a farmer. Yep. Uh, like none of my neighbours think I'm anything. Yeah, none like of my, none of my neighbours think I'm anything flashed. I'm just a neighbour, and I, if I don't do my work properly, they'll shout over the fence at me. And uh, yeah. there's no there's no superstars or heroes in our valley. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, and then I try to carve out the time to write to write because I want to write another book or two. And um, fantastic. And I do a little bit of Twitter, and occasionally I, I travel to places to talk. But this is this is Australia. This, this is like a rare rare moment of sort of show busy life. This isn't really my reality. Yeah. But you have been in Australia before. Yeah, I, uh, I came as a kid, as a backpacker for like three months and worked in, uh, I think it was New South Wales or Victoria, I worked on a couple of farms up there a little bit and um, travelled around and went home terrified that we would never compete with you on producing anything. <laughs> uh, and yeah, and the last time I came was to the Sydney Writers' Festival, which was which was very different to my normal life, but was amazing. I was very lucky. I had, um, had an absolute ball at the Sydney Writers' Festival. Loads of people bought my book and came to my talks and I was on the radio and things like that. So it was... It was nice, uh, and it's nice to think anyone cares. And I, somebody, <laughs> so, care. somebody, somebody told me maybe why Australians seem to like what I wrote, which is uh, one of the themes in my book is a sort of egal- rough, sort of working class egalitarianism from the north of England. Mm. So there was no snobs. There's no, yeah. there's no sort of southern, right. s- southern English aristocratic types that people find irritated. And you probably find them irritating because <laughs> Australians, I certainly find them irritating as northerners. So uh, yeah, that sort of. That's probably where a lot of Australians came from, isn't it? From those kind of families, that kind of Definitely. background, with those kind of values. So, mm. uh, I feel some some kinship with with you a lot in terms of values. No, for sure. You definitely. I feel like I can relate to you having yeah. a good good yarn. To be honest, yeah. you've got a so lovely. To, to hell with the posh English. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> I just say when you did walk in, I thought, oh, that accent. I'll, yeah. I'll pay attention. Yeah. yeah, you've got a lovely wife and four kids back home that's that's right so i'm married to helen and um we've got four kids molly 12 b 10 isaac 6 and our youngest is tom is uh, heading towards a year old so yeah my wife uh, n- none of this could happen unless my wife was brilliant so she's holding the foot looking after kids and yeah. Yeah. T- our, our sheep have horns at the moment she's having to go around the paddocks and make she's sure, the, making uh, sure yeah. lambs haven't got their heads stuck in fences and things like that and yeah. have a couple of young sheep dogs she's having to take those out <laughs> twice a day so so yeah it's a team effort. It's a family thing. Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. And you reckon prospects of any of your kids coming through? And uh, yeah, I don't know what to be most worried about. Whether none of them want to be farmers, or whether all of them do. Because <laughs> at a little farm like ours, yeah. they're going to have to have the next generation of ideas that mean you add a lot of value to what we do, or you sure. find some kind of future on our too small farm, really. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting. I've been pushing our kids to to tell me what they would do with the farm if it was ever theirs. And it they're out. Scare you? Yeah, well, the, the answers range from. Just like you, Dad. I want to do it just like you. It's my son's answer because he likes breeding the sheep in a certain way. And, and then my second oldest daughter, B, says she's going to get rid of the sheep. She's going to have a, a, a goat milking farm. She's going to make cheese. She's going to sell cheese to tourists and have like a farm shop and a restaurant. And Sounds I, nice. I, the more she told me about this, I was like, wow, she's going to make more money than me. <laughs> 
do the bar. Yeah, so yeah. I may have a moment where I burst into tears because all my sheep get sold in about 20 years' time. But uh, uh, hey, uh, <laughs> every farm's reinvented by every generation, aren't they? We take some things forward, we change things. Mm. And uh, I, w- I would love it if one of them kept the farm going, but likewise, mm. if none of them do, then I'll have to. I'll be the last shepherd. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Just finally, while I've still got you here, um, you've offered lots of words of advice today to our wool growers, and I really think a lot of listeners are going to take a lot out of this. Anything final that you think needs to be heard by Australian farmers? Or I I, I suppose the thing that worries me is the more more brilliant you become at being farmers, the the bigger you become, the more efficient you become. In some ways, you, you build that divide between you and the public's becoming greater and greater and greater. I sort of feel like long-term that might be your, might be your yep. biggest problem. Disconnect, yeah. Winning now might be losing later. And uh, I know in the UK we have um, a really sort of fraught conversation with the public where they don't appear to like the modernisation of farming anymore. Mm. Um, and that's, that, that, that's tricky. That's a handicap to me as a sort of businessman and somebody trying to produce things. Uh, but I can see in a different way it might be a challenge here. I can see the next generation of sheep farmers in Australia... Um, I'm going to really have to grab that's not a thing that's going to go is it it isn't, yeah. go, it isn't just going to be millsing it isn't just going to be live export there's going to be another thing after another that thing, yeah. and there'll be another thing after that and continually look yeah. out for and them. I think you're always as an industry going to have to have one idea mm. one eye on what happens next certainly with other, with those it's all about wildlife and birds and ecology mm. and the, the language used is fields becoming more sterile yep. as they become more efficient become yeah. more sterile I, I, I wouldn't I'm not sure I, I know enough about farming to offer anyone <laughs> advice but uh, I would, I would have one eye on that. I think the ecology thing is going to be huge in the future. Definitely. Uh, being able to talk in an intelligent way about whether you're making things better or worse, mm. whether you've got birds, you haven't got birds, whether you're replicating the natural processes of the far- the land that you're on before you got there, which in some ways is an anathema to farmers because they spent the whole life trying to change yeah, it. Yeah. It may well be the future conversation is about how can you have the right insects? How, you, how can you... Sustainability, making yeah, sure you're yeah. not damaging the environment. Yeah, I, I think so. So, so I, think, I think maybe the next generation of farmers is going to have to be quite literate about that. Yeah. And what we found is it isn't all bad news when you do that. So mm. we, when we've done, we did like a carbon audit on our farm. It turns out we're carbon neutral. So we're trapping more carbon than we're releasing. Mm-hmm. And I've taken like <laughs> five years of grief about this on Twitter. You guys are releasing carbon. I'm like, no, I'm not. No, we're not. <laughs> So sometimes the learning and the effort you make gives you a better, a better defense. Instead of, it doesn't tell you you're awful. And the same with the sort of hay meadows and things that we have. So, I'm, yeah, it won't, this advice won't work for a lot of Australian farmers who are getting on with other things. But if you want to be really future ready, start buddying up to your local university, your uh, sort of ecological experts in your area. Get them to start to, telling you. Tell you the bad yeah. news now so that you can start thinking about it. Get, yeah, plan ahead, basically. Yeah. 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 And, sure. it, and if they're coming at your bequest to come and talk to, like, farmer groups... Mm. Uh, ask them to come and tell you the bad news what are we going to get beaten up about in, tw- in 10 years time 20 years time what is it that we're changing yeah. and, and that might tell you you want to change your practices or it might just tell you you want to get your PR ready for when the, when the bad news comes I don't know it's, yeah, yeah. it's up to you James what an absolute pleasure to speak with you um, great having you on Australian soil and we'll happily have you back any day and also I'm Thank you. embarrassed to admit that I don't actually have a Twitter account but I'm <laughs> feeling more inspired than ever to get one now and give you a follow Thanks for having you on with us. And, yeah, thank you again for all your time. No worries. And and to everybody listening, keep keep on farming, keep your heads up. Okay, there's a few idiots out there spoiling things for the rest of us, but the vast majority of farmers are really good people. They work hard. They've got good values. They're doing something socially useful. Crack on with it. Don't don't be ashamed of what you do. Dearly, what an incredible conversation. A lot of wise advice to digest there about how we can better communicate with people who are less informed about 
our way of farming life. But also just a super interesting comparison of sheep farms in England to back here in Australia. I didn't realise that environmental restrictions were at the forefront over there. Yeah, it was certainly new information to me too, Ella. And I think James is also really on the money saying that, you know, we have consumer issues today that we're facing, but there's always going to be a new challenge to face tomorrow. So we need to make sure that we're prepared for it and adapt to it in advance rather than just react. Well, that's it for today, folks. Make sure that you subscribe to the podcast so you're spinning yarns every week and rate and review on iTunes. Also, tell your mates. And you can follow AWI's Instagram at Beyond the Bale or Twitter at Wool Innovation. That's all for today. Thanks Thanks for for yarning yarning with with us. us.